This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, a special program focused on Venezuela. That country heads to the polls this weekend to hold a national primary and ultimately select an opposition candidate to oppose President Hugo Chavez in the fall. We'll feature in-depth interviews about the primary and about democracy in Venezuela. But first, Vanessa Jesus Gonzati joins us for our weekly roundup of news from around Latin America. Venezuelan voters will go to the polls Sunday to pick an opposition leader that will challenge President Hugo Chavez. The expected frontrunner in the primaries is Enrique Capriles Radonsky, a young governor who has 40% of support and represents a new generation. He invited Venezuelans to participate and go to the polls this weekend. Nobody should be left out. Everyone should vote this February 12th, an historical date for Venezuelans, for all of us who dream of progress in our country. The second runner-up is another governor, Pablo Perez, whose main weakness is his link to Venezuela's corrupt political past before Chavez. Polls show that more than half of Venezuelans still approve of Chavez, but that the opposition leaders are more popular this time around than contenders in past elections. Venezuelan authorities arrested a Colombian far-right paramilitary leader. The warlord faces murder, kidnapping, and drug trafficking charges. Hector Germán Buitriago, also known as Martin Llanos, was found in an eastern town in Venezuela. The militia boss will be turned over to Colombia, along with his brother, who was also captured earlier. Llanos started a war against rivals in 2003 in Colombia's eastern plains in which about a thousand people were killed and hundreds displaced. Former Cuban president Fidel Castro talked for about six hours presenting his two-volume memoir this week. The book, Guerrilla of Time, is a thousand pages long and covers his life from his childhood until 1958, right before the revolution succeeded. During the event, he said Cubans have to fight until the last minute for their country, the planet, and humanity. This public appearance was a rare event for Castro. Since he permanently retired from the presidency in 2008 to turn over power to his brother Raul, he has become increasingly reclusive. A shootout broke out between rival members of two organized crime groups and the Mexican military close to the U.S. border last week. The FBI is investigating the death of a man that fled to the U.S. side of the Rio Grande to escape the firefight. U.S. Border Patrol agents found several people. One of them was injured and two people taken into custody by authorities. This is Vanessa Jesus Gonzari reporting for Latin Pulse. Thanks, Vanessa. As we heard earlier, Venezuelan voters head to the polls this weekend for a national primary. They'll be selecting a candidate to run against President Chavez in this year's elections. They have a choice from a field of four. Enrique Capriles Radonsky, governor of the state of Miranda and of the Primero Justicia Party. Pablo Perez, governor of Zulia State and of the Acción Democrática Party. Diego Aria, a diplomat known for his work at the United Nations, who's also a former governor. And finally, Maria Corina Machado, a member of the Venezuelan National Assembly. Joining us now to discuss the primary election is Dr. Kevin Casasamora, the former vice president of Costa Rica, 
and currently the director of the Latin American Initiative at the Brookings Institution. Welcome to Latin Pulse. I'm very glad to be here. We're glad to have you, sir. You've written about the Venezuelan politics and political situation. What's your analysis of this field of candidates? It offers some hope for the opposition because uh, all the signs are that a young um, figure such as Enrique Capriles uh, is the front runner and, uh, and in all likelihood will, will win the, the primary election. Uh, for the most part, he's a, he's a figure uh, untainted by any connections to the, um, to the party uh, system that was in place before President Chavez uh, came along, and, and that should count in his favor. And that's actually one of the advantages that he has uh, over uh, Governor Pablo Perez um, that is very clearly supported by by some of the parties that were uh, uh, part of the ancien regime, as it were, uh, and that, you know, elicit mixed feelings in the Venezuelan population, uh, to put it mildly. A few weeks ago, we saw that uh, Leopoldo Lopez, who was uh, among this group of candidates, threw his support to Capriles. And I'm wondering if, um, if that's what will, will tip the election, this particular primary election, to his side. It seems to have made a, a very significant difference. I mean, the uh, the state of the of the opinion polls right now is very different uh, than you know what it was uh, a few weeks ago. And I think the um, what has changed is that uh, Leopoldo Lopez, who is a very uh, a very charismatic, uh, very young uh, um, and popular uh, political figure. Uh, and in some respects, even 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 feared uh, by 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 President Chavez uh, through his weight, his political weight uh, um, behind the candidacy of Enrique Capriles. I think that uh, it's a it's a very significant it's a very significant element in 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 the very good uh, prospects for victory that Capriles uh, has at this point. There's been some talk that Lopez might be uh, a co-candidate with Capriles, uh, and and that he might uh, um, be on the ticket as a as a vice president. Um, beyond that, let's let's go through these other candidates first be- before we get back to what what may be a constitutional question um, for Venezuela. But um, Perez seems to be the one that the polls point to as the main. Um, secondary choice for people in, in this particular primary. Indeed. Also a governor, also young. Uh, does he have the same charisma? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. His main asset is something that Capriles has to be very, very, very careful about. And, and, and by the way, the same would have applied to, to Leopoldo Lopez. Uh, Perez, as opposed to Capriles or Lopez, is someone that comes from a, that hails from a from a humble uh, background. Uh, he even you know in in, in some ways um, this is an asset that that he shares with President Chavez. I mean he he looks and behaves in, in a way that is uh, more similar to to the average uh, Venezuelan voter. Um, as opposed to that, Capriles and 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 also Lopez, you know, hail from from wealthy background. 
uh, and the Given the very persistent discourse that President Chavez has uh, deployed over the past decade, uh, 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 you know, a discourse that denounces the wealthy elite uh, consistently and that denounces uh, them as the enemies of the people, uh, I think, um, you know, that should count as an asset for, for Pablo Perez. I think that Capriles has been very skillful in playing that Uh, and playing down that, uh, you know, that kind of, of trait that he has and and directing the attention towards other uh, other positive things, such as the fact that he's untainted by any past political connections. I'm glad you brought up the past political connections because Perez, running with Action Democratica, that is the old oligarchy, is it not, in the in the political system in Venezuela? Absolutely. I mean, that's precisely the point. I mean, so so you have an interesting... An interesting, uh, um, you know, landscape here. I mean, whereby one uh, candidate, such as Capriles, uh, has a very strong asset in the fact that he's untainted by the past. Um, he also has to contend with the notion that he comes from a, uh, a social background that is not necessarily um, the one that most Venezuelan voters would would like. Uh, um, and he is confronted by a candidate that has, in a way, exactly the opposite, the opposite traits. Um, I think at this point, uh, the likelihood is that Capriles will prevail. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Paulo Perez will play a very important role in the, in the alliance that the opposition um, is putting together. Uh, to to go to the polls uh, in in October. Let me bring some of these other candidates in here. Diego Aria, uh, longtime diplomat in in, in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, is it that he doesn't have a chance because he doesn't represent the youth of some of these other candidates we've mentioned? He's from a different generation. Uh, that's the least of his of his problems, quite frankly. I mean, Diego Aria, whom I personally know, I mean, is a is a he's a a very articulate man and, and, and very impressive in many ways. He's the, the you know, the embodiment of the, of the ancien regime. I mean, he's uh, someone that was very closely connected to, uh, to some of the administrations that were in place before, before Chavez. And that, as I said, you know, do not necessarily elicit, um, you know, very positive memories in, in, in a very significant share of the population in Venezuela. Maria Corina Machado, is Venezuela ready for a woman to run the country? That's always a question in, in Latin America. And, and ultimately, you know, when, when you have a compelling candidate, you know, people are willing to go to the polls and, and cast their votes uh, uh, for, for a woman. I don't think that's, 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 a, that's a major consideration in this case. I, I think that she's... Uh, I mean, while people recognize that she's a brave uh, uh, person and uh, she, uh, you know, she has definitely a, a backbone and an ability to say things as 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 they are, um, the very confrontational stance that she's uh, taken vis-a-vis Chavez um, has some limits in terms of its electoral appeal. Uh, I think that one of the keys. Uh, 
to the next election in Venezuela is for the opposition candidate, whoever that is, in all likelihood Capriles, to offer something else besides criticizing Chavez. I mean, to offer some hope, a vision, that some of the, of the real progress that has been achieved by sectors, important sectors of the Venezuelan population, uh, will not be taken away. So I think that, you know, given that uh, climate, uh, I don't see Maria, um, Maria Corina um, as a good fit in the, in, the, in the climate in which the, the next uh, election will be, will be fought and, and in terms of what the opposition needs to do to, to win. Let me go back to the question of Leopoldo Lopez, which is if he ends up with the potential of being a vice presidential candidate. Does that throw the race against Chavez into a, a, into a different light because of what the inter-American court system has ruled about his candidacy and because of the controversy of the Venezuelan government not being clear about whether he can be seated or not? I really don't think that the opposition will do that. I mean, it would be, it will be very risky. I, I think they're going to play it as safe as possible and they won't give any excuse to the uh, to the to the government, to the Venezuelan government, to President Chavez, uh, to claim that uh, the election has e e even a hint of uh, illegitimacy or 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 that runs counter to the uh, legal system. So I, I really don't see them uh, running that risk. I mean, it's a um, and I'm pretty sure that Leopoldo Lopez himself uh, recognizes that. I mean, so much so that he agreed to uh, to step aside and to to throw his political weight behind behind Capriles. I mean, I I, I don't see him um, accepting the, that role. We, we've talked about Capriles as uh, the front runner, and we've talked about his charisma. Does he have the charisma to beat Hugo Chavez? Well, uh, that's. Uh, a very tough question. I, you know, when it comes to charisma, it's very difficult to uh, to fight against someone like Chavez. I mean, Chavez has mastered the art of mobilizing uh, a very significant part of the of the Venezuelan population. He has mastered the art of uh, exciting, very profound prejudices that lurk beneath the surface. Uh, I don't think any candidate, uh, uh, you know, in the in the current, um, you know, roster of candidates, uh, can even approach the sort of ability that Chavez uh, has deployed over the past twelve years. In in, in terms of charisma, uh, it's it's a lost battle, pretty much. Any particular expectation or prediction, quickly, that you'd like to leave us with? Well, I mean, the, the big question is uh, whoever becomes uh, the standard bearer of the opposition um, will face an uphill battle. Um, if and only if uh, President Chavez is able to run uh, as, as, as a candidate. Because, I mean, here the big elephant in the room concerns President Chavez's health. Uh, uh, and to be entirely frank, n nobody knows anything about that. I mean, I, 
uh, I would venture that the only guy who knows uh, what the current uh, state of President Chavez's health is, is probably some very obscure guy in the Cuban intelligence. Uh, other than that, very little is known. So my sense is that if President Chavez manages to run, uh, is healthy enough to run an, a, an effective campaign, um, he's he's in a better position than anyone in the opposition. I mean, he's got unlimited access to funds. He's got a level of control over um, the entire political system, the entire institutional framework in Venezuela, uh, a level of control over that that is, is probably unparalleled in, in Latin America. That uh, When you add all those factors to the fact that he's a very charismatic politician. Uh, he's a tough nut to crack. We'll find out what happens with the results of this weekend's primary. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Kazan Casasamora of the Brookings Institution, our guest today on Latin Pulse. My pleasure. I want to finish and then go to, to be able to and have my parents couldn't have. I'll even make because I know it's the best thing I can do for my I want to finish school and then go to college to be able to graduate and have the future my parents couldn't have I'll even make sacrifices because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future it takes the words of a parent to build the future of a child the Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the tools and information to help your kids go to college. It's free, and it's available in Spanish. Remember, their tomorrow depends on your words today. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call 1-877-HSF-8711. Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Latin Pulse, and now we feature an interview about Venezuela with Alex Main of the Center for Economic and Policy Research, and a former advisor to President Chavez. Alex Main, welcome to Latin Pulse. Thank you. Pleasure to be on your show. Some in the United States who don't believe President Chavez heads democracy might openly wonder about this weekend's opposition primary. So what's your view? Well, um, for those that don't believe that there is an electoral democracy in Venezuela, I think one of the things that should certainly reassure them is that these primaries... Um, for the opposition parties, are actually going to be held, organized by the CNE, that's the Consejo Nacional Electoral, the um, Venezuelan um, Electoral Authority. Um, that indicates that there's really a very, very high level of trust of the Venezuelan opposition in the electoral system itself. Now, this wasn't the case a few years ago. In fact, a few years ago, they boycotted the elections. Um, and international observers came into those elections in which there was very little participation because they had boycotted and actually said that the elections had been free and fair and clean. And the opposition, uh, I think, very much regretted not having participated in those elections back in uh, 2005 because they ended up with really no one afterwards in the National Assembly. Um, and uh, they didn't make the same mistake twice in the last legislative elections that took place uh, Last year, um, they won uh, a, a, a very solid minority uh, within the legislature of Venezuela. So I think what we can see is that 
they do in fact trust the electoral system and um, I think that's a very positive thing and they're participating more than they did in the past in elections in Venezuela. What's your take on why people would not characterize Venezuela as a democracy? Well, I think, um, you know, part of it has to do um, with a bit the style of um, President Chavez, um, which uh, I think is can be maybe shocking to a U.S. public, uh, certainly also a European public. Um, he has sort of a, a blustery way about him and, uh, of course, spends quite a bit of time denouncing um, U.S. imperialism. And this is the sort of thing that I think is, uh, you know, often associated with, um, you know, various left-wing dictatorships. Uh, um, certainly Cuba's Fidel Castro um, has a similar style, and so I think it's easy to m sort of transpose the two. But the fact is in Venezuela, um, there have been elections uh, very frequently, um, really every year. There have been 14 national elections so far. Um, there's very high participation in these elections. Um, 14 elections since Chavez came yes, to power in the late 90s. Yes, sorry, when I say so far, um, since since Chavez came to power in 1998. Um, and, and I guess to be accurate, during what we would call the uh, Bolivarian Revolution, at least that's how President Chavez would term it, yes? Well, um, right, that's a, more of a subjective uh, sort of uh, qualification, I think. Um, you could certainly say during the... Um, Fifth Republic. Uh, that is, there is a there was a constitutional convention back in 1998. A new constitution was approved by popular referendum in 1999, um, it, and it created the Fifth Republic. Just as you have a Fifth Republic in in France after a series of different um, constitutional changes, um, you have a Fifth Republic in Venezuela. So that's perhaps more accurate, or at least more. Um, universally accepted as a designation than Bolivarian Revolution. Now, that tends to be, I guess, the, the PR term or what you might see in titles of books, those sorts of things. Well, absolutely, and that's uh, the um, name that, um, you know, Chavez and a great many people um, in his government um, and many of his supporters um, have given to the whole political process that has been taking place there since uh, 19. 98. Um, certainly there are some revolutionary aspects to it. Um, you know, it is a, a new regime, so there was a real break with the old regime. Um, that in itself is revolutionary. But um, not sort of your typical full-fledged revolution um, to the extent that you largely have the same um, institutional structure in Venezuela that you had under the Fourth Republic, with some changes. For instance, it's no longer a unicameral system or sorry, it's no longer a bicameral system um, with an upper and a lower house of parliament. There's just uh, one uh, national assembly. Um, and there are a few other differences. But by and large, uh, it's sort of the same institutional framework that you had before. Why do you think that there are these perceptions? You mentioned um, President Chavez's blustery character and, and how he emulates um, some of the left-wing dictators of the past. Um, are there other reasons why there are misperceptions of Venezuela in the United States? Well, certainly. Um, I, I mean, I think a big part of it has to do with uh, the media and, and how it uh, uh, represents Venezuela um, with a great deal of simplification. Um, certainly doesn't um, remind 
uh, you know, readers and viewers that uh, there are regularly elections and that the electoral system is considered to be a very sound one um, internationally. Um, I, I think they focus perhaps a little bit too much on um, Chavez himself, um, and it leaves one with the perception that politically all the space is occupied by Chavez in Venezuela, which certainly you know would remind one of a sort of a dic dicta dictatorship or a totalitarian state. Um, there is, uh, in fact, a lot going on in Venezuela. For one thing, um, it's it's not a completely centralized state. Uh, I think what's interesting as well is that there's uh, a certain amount of um, Americanization, you could say, of uh, the electoral process going on in Venezuela at the moment. These are the first um, real primaries that have been held, um, as far as I'm aware, in the history of Venezuela, certainly at the at the national level and for presidential elections. Um, so that's a that's a big first, um, and. You know, I think you you are seeing um, you know some debate between um, uh, opposition figures. Uh, you are also seeing some pact making. I mean, you see the same thing in U.S. politics and and elsewhere. Um, you know, one of the big pacts was between two central figures um, who were both candidates uh, for the presidency. Um, you had Leopoldo Lopez, former mayor of the very wealthy um, municipality of. Uh, Chacao in, uh, in the middle of Caracas, and you had um, uh, Enrique uh, uh, Capriles-Radonsky, who's the governor of Miranda. Um, they came to an accord, a friendly accord between the two of them, and Leopoldo Lopez dropped out, um, and Capriles has sort of, I think, uh, taken up, has acquired to some extent the um, campaign machine of Leopoldo Lopez. Um, and then you have other more minor candidates that have been involved in debates as well. Clearly, um, Enrique Capriles stands out, and uh, I think there's very little doubt that he'll be winning uh, the primary on Sunday. If he does win, he has a, a, a quite a mountain to climb. Uh, some people criticize President Chavez for creating this cult of personality, but he's still very popular in Venezuela, uh, continues to lead the popularity polls. Uh, is there any chance, really, for opposition to, to beat such a popular president? Well, I think it's very difficult. Um, and, um, you know, the, Chavez's foremost critics and those that want him out the most, um, they've openly um, expressed hope that um, he will not recover from his illness, from uh, the, the cancer. He, he um, had uh, cancer. It's not um, really known exactly what type of cancer, but certainly he had um, some Some people say that actually the odds are that the cancer will take him out of office before anyone in the opposition. Well, yes, sure. Th those people um, actually tend to be um, uh, sort of the most vehement critics of Chavez, m one of them being Roger Noriega, who was uh, a Bush administration official and before that worked for Senator Jesse Helms, and he claims to have inside intelligence showing that um, uh, President Chavez uh, will not recover from his cancer and, and uh, only has a few months uh, to go. Um, but apart, than, apart from him, there hasn't really been um, much confirmation that that is in fact in the, the case, and I think it's mainly sort of hopeful thinking on the part of uh, Chavez's uh, detractors. And, and certainly if he doesn't um, succumb to his illness, uh, it does seem that he has very, very high chances of winning again. Uh, his uh, approval rate, according to 
private pollsters who work with the Venezuelan opposition um, is around 60% at the moment. That's very high indeed. Any prediction for some things that we might see between now and October when the general election is? President Chavez hasn't really begun campaigning yet. I mean, certainly he made a State of the Union address that was uh, of record length, about nine hours or so, um, where he did seem to be launching his campaign. But typically with um, Chavez's campaigns in the past, he uh, presents a very surprising agenda, um, something that's you know takes people by surprise, and, and I think that's often part of his appeal when he's campaigning. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when the campaign is uh, actually in full swing. Uh, Alex Main visiting us from the Center for Economic and Policy Research and our former advisor to President Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs of Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org, forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thank you for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For associate producer Vanessa Jesus Gonzati and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchenos otra vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions.